Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at SteeDD, NFL on Twitter, and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, it's the game recap. Now, this is being recorded at an absolutely ungodly hour, which means that I'm on my own. I'm not going to ramble on uh, for too long, but I think it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, and I've got loads lined up for you. Yes, I took a break. Did I want to? No. Did I have to? I got back from Green Bay and I was deathly ill. I thought I was going to die and it, I don't know what it was. I think it was like a bug mixed with jet lag mixed with strength um, after such a such a busy trip. It's a great trip. I'm not going to wax too lyrical about the trip because whilst I was sick, I was putting little bits and pieces in place and we have an hour long special. For anybody that's interested to find out how the trip went, what we got up to, what it's like to go as a traveller. And as well as that, anybody who likes the Irish accent. And I've heard that a lot over in Green Bay. I had a guy on the trip called Rob Hogan. Great guy, Irishman, Packer fanatic. Went over for the first time. So that podcast that's going to drop, and I'm going to drop it tomorrow. Um, So if you're listening to this, it'll probably be a Wednesday. That's going to drop on Thursday. And then I'm going to have quick snaps that's going to drop on Friday. So it's like a three day special. So yes, I went away. And as well as that, we hit the news in Wisconsin about the podcast. I spoke to a radio station over there, uh, retweeted and, and put out the article on our Facebook and Twitter pages at UK Packers on both platforms. And they went into how the appeal of the podcast and how popular it is and what does Steve do? Get sick and can't do it. So the latest episode that we had out actually got uh, pretty colossal listens. Um, so I'm back. So this is a three-parter. The first one, Chiefs recap. Second one, it's sort of tour recap, which is an evergreen episode. So if you're ever interested in coming over, but you're scared to take the plunge, listen to this episode. It details what we do, but comes from the perspective of Rob Hogan. Uh, who came over on his own for the first time, had massive expectations. And not to give you a spoiler alert, but the trip really exceeded those expectations. But I can't go any further into this podcast without discussing the trade deadline. And look, anybody who wanted the Packers to sign somebody, I don't want to do it to you. But I think I'm going to have to hit you with some of this. So, clown of the week, like, what did we expect to happen here? This is Green Bay. And I think from what we've seen with Brian Gutekunst is, is that he likes to hit home runs. His modus operandi is he gets young players that have all their, you know, potential in front of them and not behind them. Are we going to sign a veteran? No. Are we 7-1? and one? Yes. Are we doing it with backups? Yes. We have Devontae Adams, but arguably... I'm not going to say that we played better without him, but like anything else, if you don't have that focal point, I'll get into exactly what I mean in a while. And of course, there's people sitting there all angry. Oh, what does this guy know? You're right. Okay, you're absolutely right. But I wouldn't expect the Packers to sign, you know, there's all this talk of AJ Green and all these other guys. It really depends on the price. And what we've seen with Gudekunst is, is that he'll offer you a bag of crisps and two biscuits, one of them half eaten uh, for a player. He'll lowball unless he really wants you. We've seen with the Smiths and with Amos that, you know, interviews came out with them, I think during the week or, or the week before, where 
they were talking about when they came to Green Bay and what was the clincher. The clincher for all of these players was money. So they couldn't believe uh, the contract offers that came in. Preston Smith even went in and sat his baby daughter down and said, honey, we're rich now. You know, and that's the offers that Gudekunz offers up if he thinks you're worth it. If not, he'll offer you a bag of crisps, two McFitties biscuits and a soggy jammy dodger. That's what you're getting. So he, we're used to that rhetoric now that he's in every conversation. You know, but he's he's like the guy who sits in an auction house and just puts up the, you know, toggle. What was that thing called? Whatever. Paddle. Puts up the paddle and sort of goes, I'll give you a packet of biscuits. And that's it. And unless he really wants you, then he's going to go all out. So it was never going to happen. Remember, this is Green Bay where this happened. What's what's the trade deadline like around here on yesterday? Say again? What's the trade deadline like around here? Is it a lot of conversation or just standard? You know, is that what you guys? I thought it was next week. One of my all-time favorite moments in a a Green Bay press conference. That's the trade deadline around Green Bay. We're never going to add anybody. Uh, We're riding high. I understand the trepidation of people saying, you know, we should assign someone that's going to come back to bite us in the arse later in the season. Maybe so. But Green Bay, like, with the amount of times that we've made the playoffs and been dumped out of the playoffs, once we reach the playoffs, basically anything can happen. With this team, I think we still haven't hit potential. And I'm going to dig into this game because it was a really fascinating game for a bunch of different reasons that I don't see written about online, for me anyway. And there's some really fascinating stuff that happens. But it always strikes me every week that the Packers still really haven't got going. You know, we're utilizing uh, Lazard in games where we don't use MVS and GMO. You know, Aaron Jones is just a phenom and that that's another trope that i could not wait to get on the podcast to address i love it when people say and i'm being sarcastic uh oh you know aaron jones is the most slept on player and that he's not slept on everybody knows about aaron jones it's that thing about you know people try to offer advice about exams or whatever and they're like oh well everybody always forgets that you know do they how do you know have you canvassed everybody or is a question phrased a certain way that's obviously a trap? You've spotted the obvious trap, and so in your head, everybody falls for it. No, you don't, and you don't canvas anybody, and you assume everybody does it. I don't know anybody who does exams like that and comes out and we all congregate and go, oh, yeah, look, oh, nine out of ten of us got caught out, you're dead right. It's all anecdotal, you know? And if you've got your head buried in the Packers, well, then you just assume nobody knows who Aaron Jones is. Just listen to the Around the NFL podcast and they will they name drop him a bunch of times. Uh, read any media article, any fantasy article, any sort of catch-all news roundup by any two-bit reporter who sort of touches on the Packers. They talk about Aaron Jones. So all of this stuff about, oh, you know, nobody's talking about... <laughs> They're all talking about Aaron Jones. You talk about Green Bay Packers, you're talking about Devontae Adams' injury. Oh, you always have a chance when you have 12 and Aaron Jones. You know, it's the same thing of like, oh, we're the most injured team every year. Okay, well, how many injuries do the Chargers have? What about the Lions? Can you give me a roundup of the Bears? Like, nobody looks outside their own team, but they just assume we're the most banged up without actually looking at any stats. The best one that ever happened to me was, is from doing these game roundups, I will write down, you know, the grade going into the game of like, 
you know, the Colts are the whatever amount offense versus us, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd grade just the plays. And I'm, I mean, grade, like, I'm not doing PFF where I'm sitting there going, oh, that was a bad block there, or he gets a four. You know, I do the play-by-play, I go in, I, I take out stuff that I notice, um, and all the rest. You've hear, you hear it on the podcast. But one of the best ones was, is I had all these stats written down, and some guy tried to argue with me, because I was like, I can't believe it was that game that we lost to the Colts, the one that I can't get over. I think I've got shell shock. You know when you get stuck into like thinking you're 17 years of age? I get stuck on this game, and this is part of the reason why, because it is dude. He, he came back and was like, oh yeah, well, you know, the Colts are the, the worst defense in the NFL and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but they didn't though. They had the 20th defense, which is not the worst. It's, you know, middling-ish and he was like, well, well, you know, it was the worst. I said, but it quite clearly wasn't, though. And I gave him the stats that I got written down before the game. And he was like, yeah, well, you know the point I'm trying to make. And I'm going, yeah, inventing that they're the worst defense to prove a point that doesn't exist because your stats are shite. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. But anyway, there's another trope. Aaron Jones, most slept on. No, he's not. So let me um, just go through this game. I thought it was fascinating. A couple of points off the bat. Um, was is that I hear people moaning about um, Aaron Rodgers and why was he graded so low by Pro Football Focus. So if you can address that one, and not to address it on a negative note, there's loads of really positive stuff about this game, and I'm not usually one to dog on him, and I'm not dogging Aaron Rodgers because he's he is Superman incarnate. Um, but he got pressured a bunch in this game. A lot. And where times that he should have thrown the ball away, he didn't. Like, he got sacked down at the five-yard line. Um, he should have thrown that ball away, you know. And for all the criticism that he came under for throwing the ball away, has he got some sort of, uh, you know, shell shock over that where he's like, well, I can't now. Um, but yeah, and I think he was beating himself up about that one as well. And then uh, he got sacked again. Now, again, it didn't come from the blind side. It came from the right. And I don't know, was Balaga injured at that stage of the game? Um, and he just got just got swallowed up on third down. And it looked like he had no awareness of it whatsoever. Now, this is a guy that we called, uh, you know, he's some pocket presence. Uh, he's got mad pocket awareness. There were so many articles and videos released for years now about how Aaron Rodgers, with his footwork, will move around the pocket and shift pressure. Whereas in this game, and I'm not blaming him for it at all, um, but what I did find is, is that he was put under pressure constantly all the time and that's another thing as well there's another trope that's whizzing around about oh you know Andy Reid didn't trust his own team you know he, he thought his defense would get the ball back and he punted it away with on a fourth and three at the 40 yard line and all this yeah of course he did did you watch the game I don't mean to be so aggressive, you know, it's been a long day. I don't mean to be sort of like getting on anyone, but like the defense were getting at Rodgers the whole time, you know. Um, okay, I wasn't going to hit on it, but I'll do it now. That throw that he made to Jamal Williams, that ridiculous throw to the corner of the end zone, um, is intriguing for a number of different reasons. But one of the go-to things that a quarterback will do uh, when they're taking a shot to the end zone, the safest place that you can put it is in the corner. Uh, now, Jimmy Graham knew that, and he was boxing out the defender that if the throw did come in, Aaron Rodgers said that he threw it, and maybe Jimmy could go up and get it. Another interesting thing was, is he said, he didn't know who the player was that was streaking across, but he knew if he put the ball there that he had a chance of coming down with it. Now, why is that important? Because the player didn't have 17 on him, that's why. Because Aaron Rodgers usually only trusts who he trusts, and everybody else, you know, in a pinch he might go to. We've seen him do it before with, with Jeff Janis. Um, famously with Gmo um, as well. 
Richard Rogers pull down a Hail Mary, but you don't really have a choice in that instance. So with this one, you know, some people are speculating he was basically throwing the ball away. I think there was an element of that to it, but he threw it away in a very clever way that he pinged it to the the corner. Um, if Jimmy couldn't get it, it was safe. Um, whoever it was that was streaking across could potentially get it. If not, it was going out. It was harmless. It was nothing. Now, with that said, quarterbacks usually don't flick the ball, barely seeing, like the way he flicked it as well, he was kind of sideways, which was incredible. And he was falling to the ground at the same time, which again was incredible. So I'm not I'm not knocking the throne saying it's easy at all, but it's predictable-ish to go to the corner of the end zone. But very important for me is, is that Aaron Rodgers threw that ball without knowing who he was throwing it to. And it's amazing too that both Jimmy Graham and Jamal Williams said that they both locked eyes with Aaron Rodgers. Um, he just has that sort of impact on people. Another thing that I noticed was when under pressure, we're so used to stats coming out and showing that Aaron Rodgers is actually more accurate when he's under pressure. In this game, it wasn't the case. There was an awful lot of times where he was pressured, he was rolling out. There was kind of a freak out moment and he nearly got picked off twice. Uh, one was Bashad Breland. He actually had the ball in the Brent basket and he ended up dropping it and he was down, which looked like an injury, but it was just injured pride. You know, the guy with the frozy spray had to go over and probably spray him to try to get him back to life again because that was a shocking drop because it was a throw to nowhere really and he was under pressure. And then the other one was he, t- he takes a shot, he just does a floater to the end zone. Um, and I think it was maybe the Honey Badger reaches up and nearly pulls it down with one hand. wasn't as obvious, but again, he was still under pressure. And then there was another one that was spotted by uh, Collinsworth where he just kind of effectively pegs the ball. I can't remember who he threw it in the direction of. But Vitale, had he just had the kind of wherewithal, he would have got it to Vitale and he had a clear shot into the end zone from like 60 yards away. Um now, again, on top of that, there was so many clever stuff where Rodgers would see the coverage where Aaron Jones was lined up against a linebacker, middle linebacker, and he'd pick him out. And, of course, down the sideline he went, only that his heel went out the first time and it was disallowed. And then for the second one, then it was on the money and they went in for a touchdown. Not dogging Rodgers, but if anyone's sort of going on like, oh, flawless performance, I don't understand. It was f- amazing, of course, at times. And some really clever play calling as well from Matt LaFleur. And some very questionable lip reading too. But when it comes to was it a flawless performance? No, it wasn't. But it's understandable because he was running for his life most of the time. Uh, But again, let me just jump real quick into the game. I'm not going to do too much of a laborious uh, play-by-play. But just some little interesting things that I picked out in this game that I think are are worth mentioning. So again, not to get too bent out of shape about getting into the play-by-play. But from early on in this game, the intent was quite clear. Um, Aaron Jones was going to be an animal for for this whole game and what I liked about him was is that and again this is not going to be new to anybody listening to this there's probably other podcasts out there articles that they're going to read that says the same stuff but the seeding on the screen was just fantastic the fact that you know they start off with Aaron Jones five yard run um, and then you know he's lined up against a, a middle linebacker they get the pass to him and he, and he blazes through him he's picking up blitzes um, it's just it's really really clever play and this sort of offense where they say it's it's predicated on the run we're really seeing it now and maybe by necessity I guess to to a certain degree you have to jolt Aaron Rodgers out of his first read too sometimes which was always you know Devontae Adams uh, but what I like in this is 
is that it comes down to, you know, run, run, pass, and then play action. And then he hits Kumro on a fantastic uh, throw for a first down. And then, you know, a little bit more running about the place. Uh, Jones comes in, picks up a blitz. He scores a touchdown. It gets pulled back for a David Bakhtiari holding. And on the first touchdown, uh, Jamal Williams sets up the block and Aaron Jones runs it in. And the second touchdown is a block that's set up by Danny Vitale and Jamal Williams runs it in. So I like how this running back stable are very complimentary and that Jamal Williams is is a bruising back. He got blown up in the backfield a bunch of times, but you see him out there helping out to, uh, you know, move defenders out of the way and get Aaron Jones into the end zone and Danny Vitale repays the favour as well. So I like the, the fact that they're working together and as well as that, it, it was almost like some of these plays early on in the game were almost rehearsals for what went on after. For instance, that unbelievable catch by Kumro and throw, of course, by Aaron Rodgers is nearly identical to how Aaron Rodgers got flushed out and tossed the ball up for Jamal Williams in the end zone. It was almost identical. And then uh, there was a pass to Jones for seven yards and he gets tackled, but it's almost the exact same play when Aaron Rodgers hits him later in the game for his long, sixty, I think it's 67-yard touchdown. So it's almost like a dress rehearsal for the Packers on offense, which was amazing to see sort of in hindsight when you look back on it. And I do like the sort of pre-snap motion as well, where you'll see Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones swap places or, or try to confuse the defense by sort of running about the place. It's really nice. And it's good that Jones was in there to pick up some of those blitzes, which really took the pressure off early on to give Aaron Rodgers some time because it was really evident that the blitz was working as the game progressed. And as Aaron Rodgers kind of got, you know, when they made him run around an awful lot and he had those dropped interceptions, because the game really comes down to fine measures. And I'll talk about that now uh, a little bit later. And again, talking about this sort of early defense, it looked really promising from the start. So the first defensive stand was two runs and a pass and the first down. And again, I was going to play Genuine's, Genuine, I sound like I'm from Australia. Genuine's pony for this part, but I'll, I'll keep the filth uh, for another podcast where I don't even know who the defender was, actually, I can't even remember, uh, but he kind of got on his back and they give him a really generous marking for first down and they overturned it. So again, Matt LaFleur, I just like the fact that he, I love that all gas, no effing break. And that's certainly the way he plays. If he sees that it's dodge and he wants to challenge it, he challenge it. Uh, and he'll go for it. And again, there's a there's a lip read at the end of the game where apparently he's turning around saying to one of his coordinators, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, the second time the defense take the field, Fackrell does something really great where he makes this diving slap and trips up the offensive player. It's third and 12. We get great pressure. It's a 50-yard field goal and they miss it. Now, again, it's windy. Uh, I can't really dog the Kansas City Chiefs kicker for that but again the first two defensive possessions or stands looked really really promising and what I started to see as the game progressed on the Kansas offense first off Matt Moore and I joked about it uh, from the Packers Twitter account on the night that Moore is less at the start because it looked really really promising but they've so many weapons and again there's all these sort of stuff whizzing around about oh they're so fast we couldn't stop them but you really start that to see that come into play. You know, there's a long pass, uh, Amos with the stop. It's just the speed. It's how fast the receivers get down there. And Petten's comments um, earlier in the week when they asked him, how do you stop him? And he said, look, this guy's a game changer. You know, he was out of a coaching job and he was doing some sort of scouting analysis. 
and he was there when Hill burst on the scene and he said he was just a game changer from the minute he went in there. And again, something that really stood out to me was the third time the defense took the field and you probably, no one probably noticed it. And that's not something like, oh, I don't know stuff that you don't. It's just something that stood out to me um, is that there was a pass to Hill and it really, it was a nothing play, but he reversed on the spot almost. And that sounds ridiculous. But like the way he backpedaled and then went forward again. And it was just like he was in, it's honestly like he's playing if you listen to a podcast and you definitely don't do it with mine, especially the American listeners, because I probably talk too fast, but it was like he was on time and a half. And when I saw that, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, we're in for a, we're in for a big night. Then Travis Kelsey, I don't know how many times I have written down that the ball gets passed to him. And it's usually Kevin King. Like, I can see what the defensive scheme was in this game. They were trying to get pressure on Matt Moore. That's what you'd expect. Their offensive line held up pretty well. And then they were playing zone for the rest of that time because to try man-mark Tariq Hill, you know, if he blazes by you, you're screwed, basically. And Matt Moore, you know, they had some stat. He was the oldest, one of the second oldest quarterback or something to throw for a thousand passes or whatever it was. Um, And Travis Kelsey was just too big. So when Kevin King had come in to tackle him, the amount of broken tackles... Like, the third time they took the field, which is kind of where we're at, you know, there was an 18-yard gain by Travis Kelsey, and he just does a spin move, and Savage just flicks off him. It starts to look up because Zadari Smith gets a sack, but then, of course, Tariq Hill, he just, he seemed to find his way between two defenders in the zone, and Matt Moore would be able to pick him out. Um, then it's a third and one, and, and it seemed all game that they'd have, you know, second and short or third and short, and they do just enough to eke over for another first down. You know, Tariq Hill or Hardman would have a hard run or, you know, they they committed their break really fast and Matt Moore hit him on the money. And in this instance, it was just blown coverage. And again, there's more criticism coming out about Blake Martinez that, you know, he makes tackles too far down the field. And in this instance, Kelsey did a ridiculous sort of prance into the end zone on busted coverage. Martinez thought he had um, safety help. He didn't. Blown coverage, and it ends up 14-7. Those other plays I noticed where they would seemingly were going nowhere. Um, they might toss the ball to Hill, even behind the line of scrimmage, but he was simply so fast that he could get five yards before you could actually bring him down. And what I find is there's an awful lot of times when I'm looking at how the defense did you know, we get a stop or we get a batted pass. But then all of a sudden, Andy Reid would design a fantastic play. Uh, like the fourth time that the defense took the field, it was a toss to Watkins. Um, but he sort of swung back around. And you could see, and again, I didn't, I didn't pick up the name of the Kansas City Chiefs player. But he it's a pre-snap motion. He gets over to the right side of the field. And it looks like he's going to be the safety valve. But the way it works out is Watkins swings back around and he ends up making the block for him. So again, just a really well-designed play. And then another really well-designed one on their second touchdown was is that it was three defenders versus three offensive players, uh, one of them being Hardman. And what I found was is the Kansas City, they run super fast and super hard. It's, it's lightning quick. And Hardman only had to break one tackle who ended up being Kevin King. And off he goes and and ties up the game 14 all. So although this this sort of thing about like, oh, you know, that's 17 unanswered points, we got off to a fast start. And it seems like Andy Reid, I guess, outcoached us to a degree on defense. 
and he's incredible weapons. So that was a five-play, 62-yard drive um, for that second score. And again, it simply ended up with one broken tackle and into the end zone he goes. And after this, this is really the blueprint for the rest of the game, I find, is that they got so much success the fifth time our offense took the field that they just kept doing it and it just kept working. Um, so Aaron Rodgers is pressured and this is the one where he just fires the ball uh, downfield and, and Breland drops it and then there's just more bad decisions under pressure he hits Lazard for, for 7 yards Williams gets a pass for first down it seems like we might get something going and then Rodgers just throws the ball into the ground under pressure uh, you know we, we complete a pass to, to Jones or I think it's a run for 7 yards and then again Rodgers just throws it away under pressure again and we, put, and we punt the ball away and that seems to be the blueprint then once Kansas kind of have our mark. They just keep, you know, rinsing and repeating that the whole time. And then the next time our defense takes the field, um, you know, it's kind of more of the same. There's a stiff arm from Kelsey on King. He's just too physical. Uh, a massive gain to, to re-kill. Moore does a great job finding him. There's a swing pass for a massive run. Again, it's a missed tackle, just one. And it's a 25-yard gain. Um, we start to get some good pressure on, but then McCoy is wide open. He gets the first down. Then they just go to him again, and it was so obvious as well uh, with the pre-snap movement. He gets a five-yard pass, and then it's it's tipped passes, third and five, some nice pressure from the defense and have to settle for a field goal at the end of the second quarter. So we go in at the half, 17-14 down, but it was odd. It was kind of like it was a mixture of these big plays um, and the defense sort of coughing it up. And then getting a bit of, enough pressure on to kind of stymie it. And then all of a sudden, you know, Tariq Hill would be in acres of space again and they'd hit him with it again. And it was a bit of a frustrating game in that regard. And we see in the second half then, there's a totally different tack. And we see Aaron Rodgers again under massive pressure. We have injuries to Bakhtiari and Balaga um, as well. So that doesn't help. And Aaron Rodgers sort of starts to take it upon himself then. And the game gets a little bit more desperate. But that's what I say. Like this team shows us each and every week between play calling. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers on the floor hugging it out at the end of the game. It seems like we always find a way to eke out the win. And in the second half then, with the success that McCoy had just before the break, uh, they really come out and they try to utilize him and it works. He's got a nine-yard run, which again... Like looking at this game is pretty frightening in in full speed, you know. It's just this this explosion. So it was a nine yard run. Then he makes a first down. We get good pressure on him. Then he gets another four yard run. Then Tyreek Hill is wide open. Um. Then Alexander makes a big tackle for a two yard loss, which is exactly the type of big play that we need. They go to McCoy again with a five yard run, but then Moore is put down by the Smiths, and they have to punt. Um, and then the next one is the famous McCoy fumble. So again, they try to use McCoy and it's a good thing he fumbled that ball um, because it seems like they take a different tack then after that. Lancaster comes up with that ball, so we get it. Um, and again, it turns it over to our offense. Our offense has a totally different story um, in the second half to start off. So our seventh offensive possession is the first one after the half. It's a notable switch up by LaFleur and Rogers to get the ball out of Rogers' hands quicker. And as well as that, like, you know, on our first offensive possession after the half, they only rushed three, but it still gets pressure on Rodgers. We go with a quick pass to Graham straight off the bat. It's weird because it almost gets batted in the air straight away. It's almost like Andy Reid anticipated that that was going to be the change in tack. But again, it makes sense because it had to be. Um, so it's a throw to Lazard on the sideline. 
uh, catches it and gets out. Jones is in to block as well, which was fantastic because he gets the pass off again to Lewis, who gets the first down on the sideline. Kind of, you know, a mirror image of what went to Lazard. Uh, Williams is drilled in the backfield to try to get the run going. Aaron Rodgers tries to take a deep shot. And then it's a third and ten, and it's a dump off the grain. It does a fantastic job, in Matt LaFleur's words, getting that first down. Then Williams gets a first down right up the middle. Uh, they give it to Jones. He gets the five-yard run. We utilise Lazard and Jones a bit more. Then it's an incomplete pass to Kumaro and we have to settle for the field goal. So this is the one where uh, we're on third, third, third. We're on third down um, up by um, their end zone. And Rogers seems sort of oblivious with the pressure coming from the right. Ends up getting sacked on third down. Uh, there's a minute and a half left in the third quarter and we settle for a field goal to tie it up at 17 apiece. So after we get the ball back from that defensive uh, fumble McCoy fumble um, this is where we try to get inventive and again it's a ni- it's nice to see LaFleur sort of pull out some tricks and try to be ballsy with it however there's a flea flicker and it doesn't really go anywhere because no one's open uh, Aaron Rodgers runs for 15 yards it's the end of the third quarter and this is the one that ends in I just like the fact that we're on uh, third and one we empty the backfield uh, we have Jamal Williams streaking across the end zone. Jimmy Graham's in there too. And that's where that unreal throw comes in from Aaron Rodgers to Jamal Williams. And again, I'll stress here, I liked it because he said he saw a white jersey. He makes that throw, doesn't really care who it is. Um, and Jamal Williams comes down, which is a fantastic catch under pressure. It's kind of like Kumro's earlier in the game. It's the kind of same um, sort of blueprint for that as well. And Kumro comes down with a fantastic catch and that was challenged and wasn't overturned, uh, which is good news for the Packers. So we go up 24-17 with some really nice inventive stuff. So the Chiefs come back then and tie it. And it's all done basically off, you know, missed tackles, us playing zone and their players being too fast. Uh, Watkins gets down and makes a big throw in between receivers. Tariq Hill has a big part to play as well. But it all comes down to Tremont Williams' hands-to-the-face penalty, which is half the distance to the goal, and then they run it in to tie it 24-24. But this is what I love about this offense, and this is something that they heralded before the season started, about just how quickly they can carve you up. We had two plays for 75 yards, and it took 59 seconds. Um, You know, Jones goes for an eight-yard run, and then it's a quick pass to Jones for 67 yards. So again... The commentary team put this down to Aaron Rodgers just picking out the right matchup, which was Jones against the linebacker. And I just love how much of a threat Jones is and that there are going to be occasions in a game where you've got no choice as a defense but to try to cover him with a linebacker and that each and every time Aaron Rodgers usually um, will carve you up. So this is where the defense come on again. Um, and the most important play of this was Sullivan. And I think he's been a really important player for us recently. But it all comes down to, you know, they're they're trying to go third and long. Um, Kelsey... Um, is hit by King, but he ends up making the first down. And it looks like one of those inevitable sort of, you know, slobber knockers, one of those shootouts where they're going to go down and sort of out-muscle us or out-quickness, out-quickness us, um, out-speed us and just run it in. But then Sullivan makes a really important pass breakup, which looks to be caught. They punt the ball away and they never see it again. So we go from an eighth offensive possession where we score within 59 seconds to then completely controlling the game um with you know five minutes and 13 seconds left on the clock and we're on our two yard line too because the ball bounces down Shepard doesn't cover it uh Kansas touched the ball down two yards from her own end zone and in a really ballsy mood Jones right up the middle uh for six then again a two yard run um and then again he gets the first down 
and then on the next run he gets nine yards so he's really done it all Williams comes in and helps out gets the first down then he goes for two yards Jones for three yards and then it's a third and five and you're kind of thinking and even the commentary team was like oh you know did I run it here did they get it did they punt the ball away what did they do um, and of course what does Aaron Rodgers do picks out Aaron Jones on the right side of the field uh, for a catch it brings us down to the two minute warning and we end up taking a knee even though Jimmy Graham nearly blew up that play with being a bit too excited um, at the very end and cut it all um, came tumbling down not really tumbling down um, but it was a bit of a, a silly thing so this game really just comes down to the fact that they were super fast we had to play zone because you know we're not going to match up man to man to these guys um, their run game was, was pretty fierce really inventive stuff from Andy Reid and I've heard that stuff like if Patrick Mahomes was in this game, they would have won. Like I don't know where they're getting that from. Matt Moore was was fantastic on the night, I have to say. He he picked out the people that he needed to. And Andy Reid was inventive enough with the pre-snap movements and how he got his team out blocking for each other. Kind of like what we did with Jamal Williams and Danny Vitale. He was very clever with it. Um, and as well as that, they're just big and physical as well. I mean, Travis Kelsey is an absolute load. Um, Tariq Hill is as advertised. Hardman was fierce out of the backfield McCoy you know really got it going at some stage in that game it was just with the fumble then it kind of you know really ended his night so a tough game but an awful lot of very positive stuff to take from it you know and I just feel like if if we don't take the pressure off Aaron Rodgers other teams are going to use that as a blueprint and he doesn't seem to be as comfortable under pressure certainly in that game anyway um as he was in prior times in his career so I think that's something to watch there as well but again like each and every week you can't really have a criticism this team really finds a way to get it done and I like the fact that you know we're so dynamic with the with the run and the pass although some of the passes really seems like some of that stuff to Kumaro you know that passing touchdown to Jamal Williams it seems like it's against all odds I think they brought it up that it was a 19.1 percent uh, chance that that ball would have been caught the Kumaro that he came down with so I mean these are the margins the fine margins you're talking about in the NFL but very promising 7-1 and one. I mean a game against the Chiefs that you wouldn't expect and all of this stuff about you know oh you didn't play them without Mahomes that's the NFL I mean the thing is is the way we're using Jones so much and the fact that he went out of this game actually with a shoulder injury and ended up coming back in and sort of picking uh, back up where he left off there's a high likelihood that we suffer an equally as devastating injury like arguably we have with Devontae Adams although like and I've mentioned this before when Megatron left the Lions it actually kind of made them better and it's causing us to spread the ball around a bit more and be a bit more inventive instead of being sort of one-dimensional but great game very entertaining game to watch and I just want to get I think the real MVP of this game was the cameraman how and the editing team you know i mean it seemed like they showed pat mahomes more than matt moore and for them to be able to you know whittle down the game in 40 to only show patrick mahomes seven times during that whole broadcast uh, when they paired it down was incredible it's just isn't that so ridiculous and i know people commented on and some that brought out oh next gen stats they showed patrick mahomes 740 times in this game and it was certainly true. I was kind of sick of seeing him in the end. He's like, it's a dude standing there with earphones in. I mean, if that's your thing, ride any train on the commuter belt in the morning. But anyway, guys, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, it's good to be back in the land of the living. Um, felt rough there for a while. So tomorrow I should have that podcast drop with 
all about our uh, 2019 trip. So anybody who followed our Instagram account, which is at UK Packers on Instagram, you'll see all of the stories from it. It was an absolute blast. And we're, we do one every year. So if you're sitting on the fence or you're hoping that the Packers are going to come over to London or whatever, I'd strongly recommend that you join the tour and come over. Meetups. And we have people asking, Dublin is set. You can book tickets for it. Glasgow is not set, as I said uh, before. Still struggling to get that. That game's actually been flexed to a later time too. I don't know if that helps or hinders our cause. But our problem is that we need a backup plan to be able to stream the game at the venue uh, if it's not shown on Sky, which we don't know yet. So um, I'm doing my best on that. Birmingham as well is in the works. Again, not set. So do not book hotels. Uh, or anything else or flights for Glasgow or Birmingham because uh, they're not set yet so as well as that I appreciate all the people uh, as well that signed up on on patreon.com forward slash UK Packers you can sign up to donate a fiver a month you know it's a fiver a month and at the end of six months you get a free t-shirt we literally take all of your money after six months and we pay to the t-shirt manufacturer and pay postage and send that out to you so if you choose to donate after that fact it is uh, very much appreciated and if we can get 20 patrons or patreons patrons um well then what we'll start doing is is doing a monthly patron uh, signed pick raffle so every month you could be in with a shot um to win a signed picture and again you can win that as many times as you like throughout the year which would be great so again if you can help us we really appreciate it but i'm not going to be gone for long i'll be speaking to you tomorrow i guess or you'll be listening to me tomorrow um, and the next day i'll be on again with peter jones to go through the chargers quick snaps you're doing a peak. Doing it. So until then, um, it's great talking to you lads. I'm at Steedy the NFL. Give me a follow, follow the group at UK Packers and talk to you tomorrow.